Welcome to the Nouveau Shamanic Cinema, the podcast in which we watch a film as if it was a dream or an imaginal practice. For this episode, we watched the horror film Suspiria. Suspiria is a very slow unveiling of feminine evil, and we really enjoyed the way that it depicts a very real force through a very rich metaphor. Some of the other topics we talk about are other than human morality and the exploration of this full expression of feminine power. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Nouveau Shamanic Cinema. This is Jos Vervoort. I'm Rosie Lewis. Yeah, we are once again together today and we are talking about the 2018 remake of the film Suspiria. So Suspiria is a 2018 remake of a 1977 movie by Dario Argento. This was a cult film, very colorful, very impressionistic and strange. And this remake is a very different film and it's directed by Luca Guadagnino and a screenplay by David Kashganich. It's a film that's set in 1977 in Berlin and it's about a young woman who joins a dancing school that turns out to be the home of a witch circle. Yeah, and it's cool because it's very, it's like historically embedded, isn't it? You get a lot of sort of background history, I suppose, that's happening in Berlin at the time. It's very bleak. The sort of muted colours, the muted feeling is a very like depressing setting. Yeah, exactly. The background of the movie is that uh, the Rote Armee Fraktion, a leftist terrorist organisation, was active in Berlin. And there's lots of stuff around that. And there's even someone in the dancing school who seems to be involved with the RAF. And yeah, you see a lot of the wall. The Berlin Wall is, is there and the sort of crossing between two parts of Berlin. So that sort of bleakness is there. And, uh, and apparently the director really wanted to make this a bleak, autumnal film to contrast uh, the bright colors of the 1977 original. So it's a very involved story. It's almost like a novel, right? In a way, it's like all these characters, the different people at this dancing school. And there's the, the sort of slow revelation of the depths of depravity of the witch circle that sort of drives this school. And also you know, the slow unveiling of the main character, Susie Banyan, who turns out to be not what she seems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we should just get into it. So what was your first feeling with this movie? Since, to remind the listeners, this is a podcast where we are, we are engaging with films as if they're dreams or psychedelic experiences. So we're not so interested in dissecting the cinematography and things like that, or the details of the script, but we're really interested in how it hits us and how we, you know, we're immersed in it and what meaning sort of comes out of it. Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting is it's been very powerful for both of us and maybe had some opposite effects. I get quite a strong like repulsion response and you get quite a strong like attractor response. So that's an interesting thing. Like to me, this whole movie, there's something so just like depressing. It feels like it encapsulates something I really, really dislike in the world. I guess it's showing me somewhere where there's a kind of push and a pull in me. That it seems like it has a similar strong effect on you, but the push and the pull are sort of like going in different directions. So that's interesting in terms of the Jungian thing of it, like showing 
you your own soul, your own inner world. Yeah. Can you talk about what repulses you about it? So maybe give a bit of context about what, what that is, right? Yeah, totally. I think there's something that I noticed about the film, which is that it's, it is very metaphorical, you know, because it's about a witch cult or whatever in, in Berlin. But also, I think a lot of horror films, they're putting things in just to be scary or sort of like just to be sensational. or They'll put things in, I suppose, for those sorts of reasons. Whereas this felt much more like a very clean, like impression of a dynamic that's in the world in kind of like humans and just like floating through the universe in a certain way. It's very feminine, so it's almost entirely female cast and characters, really, really rich characters of different types. And to me, it's sort of like a very clean depiction of almost like evil, dark, wild femininity. And there's a sense of like aspects in my life when I've experienced that, that just being such a horrible thing to be stuck in. So kind of like that being evoked and just like the depressing nature of the sort of soul sucking, manipulative, everything's this subtle social power game. And yeah, the way in which like sexuality or beauty is turned into this sort of like power expression and kind of like all these things that I guess as a woman I've been entangled in in various social situations and the kind of depressing nature of that and then it's almost like what makes it even more depressing is that within this movie there's kind of like that very complete sort of metaphor that you're sort of being taken through in various ways and then outside of that there's this sort of very oppressive more kind of like patriarchal depressive thing where you're getting news flashes of yeah this sort of like the political times and troubles of Berlin in the 70s and it's so it's sort of like there's no escape from anything it's just like wherever you look it's just depressing evil and darkness and then what also comes in is in the background of that is the second world war right so the as well, because like the 70s sort of turmoil, like they mentioned at one point that the Rota Armee Fraktion were going after like an ex-Nazi mm -hmm. and there's the doctor who's lost his wife in the war and like all this stuff. And even that gets manipulated by the witch circle to sort of lure him in. Mm -hmm. So it's just like all these layers of sort of like twisted evil things building on on each other and sort of and turmoil and conflict and power struggle. Uh, yeah. Right. I think that in a way the the leftist politics of the Rote Armee Fraktion are probably understandable. So that's a little bit different than a sort of like, you know, it's a reaction, an extreme reaction in a way to sort of the, you know, existing structures, but it is a power struggle. It's very dark. Yeah, I could see that. And I want to sort of explore this a little bit more because I'm, I'm also interested in giving the other perspective, the attraction, but I think mm -hmm. it would be nice to delve into the repulsion a little bit more because I yeah. remember one of the things you found really striking was, I think there are two dinners in the same place, I think, something like that. There's one where the, all the older women are together and then later there's one where they all bring in some of the younger dancers to the dinner, right? And that's that sort of vibe was especially... Totally, yeah. So there were, I think there were two scenes that just really hit a nail on the head in terms of like just showing something that I know so well as a woman in a group of women. One of them was this sort of like... So the dance school was kind of split. You had this older group of women who were essentially kind of like all sort of various types of narcissistic power struggling, kind of quite evil, well, very evil because they were killing off these people and just sort of like taking joy in that women. And then there were the sort of young girls who were various 
levels of oblivious to what was going on. Some of them seemed to have an idea. Some of them were just very innocent. And at one point, the young girls were out and they, they walked past the restaurant where the older women were in. And there was this scene where on the surface, all the older women were kind of laughing with each other and being very pleasant, very kind of like, oh, yeah, we're having such a nice time in the restaurant. And like just, just body language was very like warm and welcoming to each other. But the soundtrack was that they were having a telepathic conversation where they were essentially talking about how they're being manipulative to the young women and kind of like putting on this front of looking very warm but actually underneath they're like tricking them and then even within that conversation there was clear sort of like power dynamics between the women and it's it's like the perfect metaphor for being in a group of women where this power dynamic is present where on the surface one very clear social message is being given but everyone is aware that underneath there's like these subtle messages that are going around and everyone can feel it and everyone knows what it is but not allowed to say it it's almost like this subconscious thing it was just the perfect depiction of that i've never seen anything that captured that thing so amazingly and yeah i thought that was great yeah super interesting and what is sort of the heart of the repulsiveness for you what touches your repulsion button? Yeah, so I think it's interesting. So there was a character who came in re really at the start. I can't remember her name, the girl who was seeing the psychiatrist. I think it's Patricia. Patricia, that's it. And she's probably the one I identify with most. And she's going to see a psychiatrist because she's having delusions. But she's seeing what's happening. And she's writing it all down and she's reporting back. But she's then getting kind of like ostracized and considered crazy. And so it's almost like... Yeah, relating to her character, where if you start seeing the truth of what's going on, it's almost like going crazy because the gaslighting is so strong within that structure. And the other scene that really did something to me was the girl, main girl Susie, sort of like danced in front of everyone. And as she did it, there was another girl in a room full of mirrors who was essentially getting, uh, what, how would you describe it? Yeah, yeah, it's like she's getting, in a way, her, her life force is getting sucked out. But the way it was done was that the dance, Susie's dance, essentially sort of impacted her and pulled her across the floor and destroyed her and twisted her almost as if she was like a sort of dance partner being destroyed at, at distance, right? Yeah, yeah, nice, yeah. And all her bones were being broken. It was really like strong body horror, like bones being twisted and broken and smashed against things and just covered in bruises. And then these girls, so Patricia and, and then some others who sort of go missing, they end up being held in this kind of basement where basically all their life force has been sucked out of them and they're just suffering in the basement in lots and lots of body horror physical pain it's almost like a feeding well for that's the sort of like head witch it's a really nice metaphor for the feeling of being in a kind of toxic power dynamic where there's a surface level of something being expressed that is the powerful person is kind of like doing something expressive and kind of like look how amazing this is and subtly what they're doing is giving off like really damaging energetic or like emotional kind of like taking bites out of people emotionally like subtly hurting people essentially to prop up that sense of power yeah it's really painful like I've, i guess there's an interesting thing is that we've been on retreat for a couple of days we've been talking about like how experience is different and there's a way that i'm just much more present in my body and the kind of more surface level thing that was happening in the restaurant where it was like the conversation is much less real to me now yeah, yeah. and so if I'm in these dynamics now, what I feel is the pain and the physical pain and the like, oh, just like the discomfort and the kind of literal physical feeling of my energy being sucked out and kind of, it's really hard to be present with. So for me, 
the kind of repulsion was just like, oh, I do not want to be in that dynamic. Yeah. I really like what you said before about this being real horror in a way. It's mm. like metaphorized and exaggerated. And it's interesting because uh, the doctor, so Tilda Swinton plays three characters in this movie, very strangely. She plays Madame Blanc, who's like the hat dancing instructor and one of the contenders for the control of the school. She's the, the director of the dance. And then there is, uh, she apparently also plays uh, Helena Marcos. And this is an old decrepit witch who's sort of like full of tumors and dying and, uh, and things like that. And then she's also playing this Dr. Klemperer, who's the doctor who treats Patricia, an uh, old guy. Yeah, when he talks about that people can do criminal things and call it witchcraft or call it magic, right? Mm -hmm. So it might be fictional, but what they're doing is really evil. And it's a little bit like this, right? Yeah. I mean, in the movie, obviously, the witchcraft is, is real. But that reality of it and that, yeah. that sort of like interpersonal reality of it. Like I, I know I was thinking about there's a, a famous researcher professor who treated her students like this and you know had favorites and the people were bullied and if they didn't use the right terms and the right sort of if they didn't help build her empire they were bullied and it was big and you know sort of all over academia uh, a while back and it's this kind of dynamic mm -hmm. yeah really powerful and really twisted and repulsive yeah. yeah and it's interesting so let's maybe let me try to explain what i found attractive about mm -hmm. it instead right so I don't think that dynamic is attractive. I think it's cool, like mm -hmm. it's well done and it's exciting to watch, right? But uh, I was talking about how I found sort of uh, specifically Susie Banion's vibe somehow attractive, and even if I, do I know I shouldn't find it attractive. So let's talk about Susie. So she's this sort of like bright-eyed, deer-in-the-headlights kind of looking woman at first who comes from Ohio, I think it was, right? Mm -hmm. From a rural family and she's sort of escaped and she joins the dancing school. She's all like, oh, you know, sighing and sort of, oh, wow. And it's funny that she, so once you know what she is and you, I've seen the movie twice and I've, when we saw it, I saw it the second time, you know that she's the mother of size, mother suspiriorum. You can notice how much she sighs. She's mm -hmm. just like, ah, ah, the whole time, you know, ah, you know, the whole movie, and it's re this really annoying in a way. It's like attractive and annoying, but now you know why, right? Because she's constantly just sighing, and I want to talk more about sighing later. But So she has this sort of deer-in-the-headlights vibe, but it very quickly turns sort of evil. <laughs> There's like this mix of sort of innocence and sexuality, right? She talks to Madame Blanc about how dancing felt like it was fucking, and then, and then she's like, a man? And she's like, no, an animal. And it's just like this sort of like, I don't know, really unhinged sexuality and that's sort of like trippy entrancing eyes that she has and you were saying like what is attractive about this because you felt like it didn't have anything to do with actual sexuality can you explain mm. more about that yeah 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 it felt a bit like the thing where almost similar to the split where there's something going on on the surface and it's a different thing underneath it feels like the sexuality is actually about power. It's not someone who's interested in having sex. It's someone who is expressing sexuality in a way where they want to have power over people. It's interesting because this feels like a very kind of like narcissistic feminine energy that we see everywhere in the world. But there's something that I like about this movie, which is that when people talk about empowering feminine and em empowering women, it's like, you know, focusing on the good things. This is almost like a truth bomb of the dark side of female power, which I think also needs to be included in the kind of like wholeness of what feminine energies are. Yeah, and uh, exactly. And I think that so that 
part of feminine energy is really fascinating, especially as a, as a, a non-woman. I'm looking at that. And there's, of course, also something. So I was going to say, of course, also something seductive about it, but I don't want to take that as self-evident because I think that it's worth investigating why. Mm -hmm. Not like, oh, because I'm a cishet guy, whatever, I'm attracted to that. I think that's not self-evident, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think in real life, if you would run into someone like Susie, it would definitely be attractive. But I would hope now, being a bit more wiser and older, that I would not, you know, fall in love with that, for instance. Mm. Like that would be like, okay, I can feel the attraction. But what I what I think is attractive about it, I can totally see what you're saying about it's not actually about sex, it's about the power. Mm -hmm. And it's this sort of hypnotic, entrancing, charismatic cult leader power. But that is what's attractive, right? So it's mm. and there's something attractive about that kind of power, the power expressed through sexuality. Because for me, at least personally, it's attractive because it's dangerous and it's uh, you can just feel that someone like that could destroy you just because they would like it. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that's like, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That's like, yeah, actually, I maybe want to be destroyed. And it's a bit of a sort of existential kink kind of thing. Perhaps, right. Right. Yeah. There is a really great philosopher called George Bataille. Uh, who is a Nietzschean philosopher, and he talks about sex and eroticism. He has a great book about eroticism that I have here. Eroticism being about existential risk. Mm. So you are orgasmic, sort of like orgasmic expression, but, but, but it's about the risk of being destroyed is truly erotic and crossing boundaries and crossing sort of, and things that are whole, that are broken open and stuff like that. That is sort of like this dark eroticism. And I feel like, that is part of this that there there is and this is the attraction of the vampire and the predator and the monster right this idea that someone we were talking about this just after the movie that uh, there is a um, a giant vampire in the game resident evil 8 that is just this massive lady a very dominant vampire and that all these people on the internet when it, when the game came out were like i want mommy to step on my neck you know stuff like that they won't just want to be crushed and my spine ripped out and and it's that sort of like desire to be destroyed by evil, dark, sexual power. Mm, mm, yeah. Nice. Yeah, I like that. I think there's something interesting here, I think, which is that it's almost like when there's a sense of wholeness, it doesn't feel so repulsive to me. So it reminds me, uh, we were talking a bit about kind of the, the concept of the anima and the animus. The final stage of a man developing his anima is the Sophia stage and mm. that's where he's capable of realizing that like he can feel in himself the feminine energy and therefore can feel it in women that they're capable of both good evil you know competence and comp like the full range it's almost like before that there's like phases where it's like a desire to really like think that women are just completely incapable and they're, they're just there to be taken care of or like they're just very innocent I guess various ways of, of that energy being restricted. I think the part of the bit that I find maybe repulsive is not quite right, but find really hard about this movie is that sort of like innocence that she has. It's like the innocence combined with the darkness. That to me feels so dark. That's like a force that I see a lot in the world where that to me feels like the narcissistic bit, the sort of dangerously narcissistic bit. It's a weird combination of automatic and self-aware because it's like this sort of like self-hypnotized narcissism mm -hmm. but also self-aware so it's like almost like this automatic thing that's just sort of happening and someone's almost taken over by their own desire to hypnotize mm. they're self-hypnotizing as well as hypnotizing other people and it's also so hyper self-aware and yeah. that's very strange 
it's almost like the bit, yeah, 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 yeah. The bit at the end, essentially, it sort of ends in this big show and then it's like a power struggle and all the power struggle comes out and it's like, is it going to be the sort of main teacher? Is it going to be the woman who owns the school who gets the power in the end? And then Susie basically comes through and just sort of annihilates them all. She's this kind of like dark god basically and just kills them all and then at the end it sort of stood in the middle of the last few standing girls who are dancing and it's just like it's beautiful the dancing it's beautiful and it's almost like this kind of the combination of assumed innocence on her part of it's beautiful and this sort of like uncaring psychopathic destruction yeah that's the sort of really dark bit I guess yeah and there's a question there about whether Susie knew she was Mother Suspiriorum all along. My sense is probably yes. Mm -hmm. I think she was just born as an antichrist figure mm -hmm. and that the innocence was just like a faint, you know? Yeah. There's also, of course, a read where you say that she was sort of drawn out to be that, but I don't think the movie hints at that clearly. I think no. it's more its more like she was always like this. Yeah. With the mother saying, I've given birth to a sin, you know, the child mm -hmm. is a sin and stuff like that. So it's also interesting. So the, the sort of like the Mother Marcos character who's this corrupted, tumorous blotch of stuff and really just for power and, and longevity and sort of very banal desires obviously isn't very good. And uh, all these other women who are sort of struggling. But the Susie is this beautiful young woman and then she turns out to be this dark goddess, the mother of size. Uh, she opens her heart and it's like this sort of like demon mouth where her heart is. On the one hand, there's something primordial and wild and pre-moral about that that can be appreciated where it's like, oh yeah, she's just like this primordial wild force. But I can see how on the other hand, it is the fact that she's just like, this is good and nice is really like dark in a way, mm -hmm. right? That's sort of what you're hinting at, I think, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the bit that, that feels like true evil in humanity to me. Because she believes that she's on the right in a way. She believes that she has the privilege. It's almost like she knows what she's doing, but she's presenting an image of innocence and kind of like actually in the same way that the women in the restaurant, they're presenting, we're having a lovely time and we're really nice and we're caring and we love the girls and da da da. Mm. And underneath, under the surface, they're plotting to kill the girls and farm them for their energy and keep them in like eternal pain <laughs> it's almost like she's doing her equivalent of that and using innocence and sexuality and, and things like that to uh, I'm just, yeah, get her when you said farming for their energy I, I just imagined a video game where you're like one of these where you run the witch school and the <laughs> girls come in and you have to sort of like combine their traits into one super dancer and the other ones go in the basement you know it's like yeah. a sort of like the sims the suspiriums uh, but yeah, <laughs> so I have a few more questions about mm -hmm. Susie, though, because she knows what she's doing and she presents it as innocence. But I wonder, there's also a take possible where it's like, I mean, if she's pre-Christian, they were saying that these mothers are before the devil and before God, right? Or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just not a consideration. So then I wonder, right, because she gives the girls who were sort of zombified and eviscerated, she gives them a merciful death, like, what do you want to die? And she kills them. And she uh, wipes uh, Dr. Klemperer's memory so that he doesn't have to suffer from all his traumatic mm -hmm. memories. So why does she do, do that? Yeah, that's interesting. So I think that I like this. I like this, the really primordial aspect of it. I feel like this is more touching on the bit that's just the wild force that just is power. feminine energy moving through the universe. Then it's just like pure wildness. And in that way, it is 
I mean, the joke version of this is that we watched that Van Herzog video where he's in the jungle and he's just like, you know, it's just destructive. It's like pure fornication and chaos. And it's like nature is just destroying itself and eating itself and fucking and chaotic and starting all over again and primordial and kind of like dark. And I guess in the way that when she said it's, you know, it's like fucking like an animal, the dancing, it's like, it's just animalistic sort of wildness, I suppose. And then at that point, you're sort of outside of the grounds of morals because, you know. That's right. And I think that's where power and sex maybe also collapse. Mm -hmm. So you're saying like her sexuality is just about power, but maybe to her, there's no difference. Uh, You know what I mean? It's just wildness. It's just domination. And it's not. And so connected, loving sex does not exist for her. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just power. Yeah. It's just sensuality. And it's just physical sensation. And it's energy. And it's wildness. Right. So I guess that this is sort of getting at the point where I feel like I'm sort of rooting for Mother Suspiriorum or Susie Banyan. And I think you are supposed to be a little bit like that. Like, I feel like the film is almost telling you the Mother Marcus camp is the worst. Madame Blanc, which we can talk about a bit as well, is also really evil, but has some aesthetic standards. Mm-hmm. And then you have Susie, who's just this pre-moral thing. So we cannot judge her in a way because, well, or you could say it's irrelevant to judge her because she's just this primordial force. And that sort of like then makes sense to me because when she's revealed to be Mother Suspiriorum, it's basically no longer almost, I mean, we can still have a moral judgment about it, but it's almost no longer the viewer's place to have a judgment about it because it's like judging a a black hole. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, the black hole is morally evil. Or a poison spider or something. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is what's also seductive about it. It's basically like coming face to face with a predatory creature Mm -hmm. and the energy and the sensuality of that is sexual, just not in a connected way. I think it's less sexual and more predatory. And there's a way that as humans or as animals, it's like predation and sex are very tied up in our systems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's closed hearted. Yeah. Sexuality. There's no space for open heartedness in any of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Just not, I mean, only, uh, I guess, so this interesting about, I felt like Susie was genuinely caring, but I guess she was kind to these girls when she killed them and kind to Dr. Klemper when she wiped his memory. And it felt like that was genuine, but it was maybe it's just coming from a different moral system. There is Mm -hmm. space for kindness in that system, but it's totally random. I don't think it was uh, disingenuous kindness. It's just like the morality system is just very different, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's kindness as much as hierarchy. And like, it's almost like when you said that's the order of the women and like their their morals, it's almost like the whole thing is kind of narcissistic. And then when you're in a narcissistic system, it's like what's you're essentially in a power hierarchy all Mm. the time. And so it's kind of like showing what the true power hierarchy is or something. And she can can kill these people and she can wipe his memory just because she chooses to. Yeah, she doesn't have to. She has enough power she doesn't have to play the games that the other people are playing. Yeah, because yeah. She, she says, we need guilt and shame, but not yours. Yeah. So she's like, it's not necessary for you to suffer. Yeah. She probably doesn't care that much. Yeah. But it's like, well, I might as well. It's just, yeah. it's Like, like a, on a whim. It's like a cold, like what I see is a very cold calculation of what's required for her power. That's what I see from all the layers. But it's almost like the more power you have, the more cleaner those decisions become yeah you don't have to embroil in manipulation if you have true power you don't have to manipulate 
others and into scheming behind yeah. the scenes. Yeah. So so the sort of moral hierarchy becomes less schemy, less schemy. Right? Yeah. Uh, where I think that the more the most schemy sort of backhanded stuff is the Marcus clan. Yeah. And then the Blanc Blanc is more straightforward. I think that the interesting thing about Madame Blanc as a character is that she, I think her goal is to produce good dance performances. That seems to yeah. be her goal. She's an artist, actually, yeah. right? Yeah, she has the, a very kind of artistic narcissism, which mm. is still, still has, I think it's still very destructive for the people she's in immediate contact with. But we talked about, you know, people in history who are clearly narcissists and not very nice people, but create brilliant, amazing things. And, and that has some positive impact on the world. And it's almost like, so it's a more of a kind of, yeah, it's like a, a gray area, I suppose, of how much negative impact on people are people willing to put up with in order to create something brilliant and amazing and beautiful. And that's that's quite an interesting way of depicting that. It's nice. I agree. And it's it's interesting how you, I root more for Madame Blanc than oh, I do totally. for yeah. Helena Marcos and, yeah. and those people. Yeah, you can see there's something interesting about her, right? She's like, so aesthetics have a, have their own ethics, right? The beautiful is better than the not beautiful, and the the dedicated and the sort of like expertise is valuable compared to non expertise and stuff like that. And so, what I also thought was a really interesting dynamic was between Madame Blanc and Susie, <clears throat> because Madame Blanc <clears throat> does not have this sort of like feigned innocence, really, not really, right? She has a feigned, like, I'm just doing what's best for the school kind of thing, right? Yeah. And she's actually just, like, sucking people's life energies and putting them into Susie. But Susie has this sort of, like, really saccharine, cloying, sort of, like, oh, hypnotic innocence. And Madame Blanc doesn't have this. And it makes Madame Blanc more sympathetic than Susie. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Madame Blanc's quite fierce in her yes. vision. It's on the surface. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make something amazing. There's an abusive care. Like she does care, yeah, but it's abusive at the same time. Totally. So she doesn't. It's not like she doesn't care. She does, but it's like an abusive parent relationship. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's like she's upholding her own power by making something amazing and purposefully abusing people to contribute to that, supporting her power. But it's also about expressing something amazing in the world and people being part of that. And it's like complicated, isn't it? Yeah. That dynamic. It's fascinating. When I saw this movie the first time. I was so blown away by it. It was really unexpected. I had seen the other Suspiria, which I think is really cool, really worth watching. This is, I think, is this is this is definitely better. And I was considering whether I thought it was my favorite horror movie of all time, whether it mm. had be had beaten The Witch. And I think The Witch, which we have talked about in the show before, if listeners, if you haven't heard that episode, we did it recently. There's common themes. The sort of amoral power, wild femininity that the witch ends with is also here. But here it's a whole movie, essentially, right? The reason I think I loved it so much is because that wild feminine amoral power is not depicted that often. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing here. Mm -hmm. And like it's that, that raw sexual predatory poison spider sort of like primordial evil energy layered on top of all these politics and this darkness and the seduction process, who's seducing who, right? Because mm -hmm. Susie looks like she's being seduced, but she's actually seducing the whole school. That's interesting. And then there's the dark fictional setting or, or the dark sort of world setting and everything. And there's just so much richness to it. Yeah. A core of dark primordial sexual danger surrounded by political danger and, and interpersonal danger, surrounded by this sort of dark world building. 
lots of depth in it. And I think it's really quite incredible in that way. And like you said, the horror is real. It's emotionally real, realistic. Yeah. I think that's very unusual. Yeah, really interesting. Okay, yeah. So maybe there's a question like we normally do. Let's bring back, bring in some love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I think it's, it's almost like, so there's a way that in this context, it's obviously showing the kind of evil side of feminine power. But I think that what's interesting is, I guess, going back to the concept of like wholeness of feminine power. There's like a question in me, which is like, oh, what does it look like when the feminine isn't oppressed? And it's like that wildness can be present. It's not evil and destructive, but it can be present as like part of a whole. I don't know. There's some like question there around like what would be the expression of this that was, you know, not perfectly good, but less like really evil. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And I was thinking of Susie, the good things that she does in the movie is kill those girls, give mm -hmm. them mercy, and take the Dr. Klemper's memory away, which are all acts of destruction. Mm -hmm. So the only good things that she does are are destructive. Yeah. So she can only destroy or... But it's an interesting question because I think part of, I think why the sort of like expression of this movie is attractive to me, and I think to you in that, in that way at least as well, is that it, it does depict sort of wild feminine power. Mm -hmm. And there's not enough of this in the world. And there is a way in which the moral good of this dancing school is that they are a bastion of wild feminine power, mm -hmm. right? That's the, I mean, it's a evil feminine power in this case, but there is something about that, right? And I think it's just, it's just that it's one-sided, right? So it's just, there's nothing behind it. It's just like a hunger for power. And if these people would have a heart and the open-hearted version of this, an open-hearted version of Madame Blanc, an open-hearted version of Susie, right, could be really interesting for forces in the world, right? Just imagine having that kind of intellect, like a Madame Blanc who made a really beautiful play or a dance, and she talks about dance can never again be beautiful because of the war, right? It has to be ugly and it has to be sort of like fierce because that's what we've realized life is actually like because of the war. Like all these things that she's saying, if she meant them, I mean, she does mean them, but you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. like sort of like, if there's a heart and a morality behind that, that power, that woman could be, just imagine that dancing school, but they're not like parasitizing energy between people. Maybe they're sharing energy. Like, oh, you know, maybe you can give your, uh, your jumping ability to this person and then you'll be sick for a day, but then this person could do this great performance and then next week you, you can do it. Like a sort of socialist witch coven. Oh, I've been on this retreat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which was all about like female power and liberating female power and bringing these dynamics into the surface and like working with them and kind of like yeah. liberating the energy that's caught up in them and it being a lot about centrality and predatory energies and like there being elder women who were there as supporting and holding the space. It was really, it was amazing. So I think one of the things that's important, which you were saying there and, and was, was present in this place, it's kind of like having a meaningful purpose that everyone believes in and it that being conscious, shared, open-hearted experience, I suppose. And then it's almost like within that context, the energies become things that you can bring in and play with within open-hearted, conscious, conscious expression. Oh, I can, I can just imagine a, a role-playing game story where you play a Madame Blanc type character, but what if she was good? Mm -hmm. And you come into the Helena Marcus school of evil witches and you slowly start to sort of subvert and take over power mm -hmm. to turn it into a 
good place and then it becomes a site of resistance against the nazis mm. and they're using all their power they're using all their telekinesis their their telepathy their mind control whatever they have as a sort of like terrorist cell like a benign you know not benign but like sort of for a good purpose terrorist cell in nazi germany and they're and they're doing art around it as well and they have that volk that dance that would be the positive version. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. And then, I mean, I can relate to that. If it was almost like that's a bit of the energy behind like a turning of the wheel energy of bringing in more yeah. this level of awakening. It feels like that's bubbling in people's system and it's like about, yeah, more art, more expression, subversion of power. Yeah. The different roles of that and kind of like, yeah, slowly winning people over to this more open hearted, but also wild yeah. energy. So there's a, a meditation that we do called uh, becoming an open-hearted devil mm-hmm. and it's essentially what is the open-hearted version of of this right yeah. of this entire school becoming an open-hearted witch school yeah it's it's fascinating and like a figure like if Susie Banion Mother Superiorum was an open-hearted goddess dark goddess there is a way in which it might be possible that like let's just imagine that that Susie Mother Superiorum is uh, less evil so she's more neutral or like sort of judge, primordial judge figure. And she had to come into her power. She had to be given that power by these other girls and stuff like that to be able to become this creature. And that she needed to be in that moment to kill off the evil witches of the circle, right? And take over and then she can start doing good things. Yeah, I think the thing you're pointing to, I can relate to. There's a way that there's a wild darkness in me that mm-hmm. people judge as bad mm-hmm. sometimes. But I think what's missing from Susie, it's psychopathic in her. You never see during the film any any, any feeling, any, any emotionality, any grief, any anger about what she's experiencing. Like the time when she walks in, there's like a, they've sort of abducted some policemen and they're kind of torturing them and she walks in. She has no emotional response to any, anything that she sees. Yeah. It's just cold hearted and she's essentially calculating She's like she, a cat watching mice. Yeah, she's calculating. I'm getting into power and that's what I'm here to do and I don't give a shit about the other things. And I think that this is part of the dynamic around the anima. The evil feminine narcissistic energy is that it uses the capacity for people to project positive emotional states onto women more strongly than on men. Yes. Where you look at this girl who's beautiful, who's young, who looks innocent, and you think, oh, obviously she cares. Obviously she, she's like a nice person. But a man doesn't get that benefit of the doubt. But if you look at her behavior and how she acts, it's like the whole thing is super cold, super calculating, just about her. You don't give a shit about anyone else. It's willing to allow all sorts of evil to just happen and unfold and has no yeah. like investment in, in that not happening while allowing everyone to project this innocence onto her, which I think that's like the really dark, evil bit. Yeah. yeah. Whereas I think the bit, like I said, I can relate to kind of having a, the like open-hearted devil stuff, the embracing your power, the like leaning into wildness, the more sort of like cosmic forces of chaos and darkness and things that need to be included as part of the whole but it's also like painful and sad and it's like inspires compassion when there's suffering that creates like anger and emotional responses, which is like not wanting people to suffer, which is just completely missing, I think, from her. Yeah, for sure. 
I mean, there is a possibility, right, where she might not feel these things emotionally, but she still wants to do the right thing. You know, I, I don't know. But because I was just thinking about how she she tells Clamper, like, I'm sorry for what my girls did to you, which is funny. She calls them the, her girls when she wasn't in power yet, but she was always going to be in power, I think is her assumption, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then she wipes his memory. Let me put it like this. I, I'm curious to know what her policies are going to be from now on. What is that school going to do, right? Mm-hmm. No idea. Like, mm-hmm. she's clearly not interested, I think, in... I mean, we don't really know her metaphysical status, but if she's an immortal being, rather than sort of a body-hopping being, which could be the case as well, then she doesn't need to have her life extended. There's a version of it where it's like she's returning the school to a more pure wildness versus you know killing the off the sort of machiavellian sort of like a scrabbling for power thing and because she's too powerful she doesn't have to do that to turn into sort of more pure wildness so i don't know what's going to happen with that school it could be that it keeps attracting women and then the best ones are going to get the energy from the weaker ones and they're going to be amazing dancers or something like who knows right it's hard to hard to say there's just going to be a lot of sighing i suppose mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah when you see good in her what do you hope is the thing that you that you see (laughs) this is cutting yeah it's interesting right because there's a part of that sort of it's working on me right yeah it's like the effect is actually working yeah what do i hope to see i guess i'm interested in like a divine ethics like an ethics that's just very different from ours Mm -hmm. that from our perspective looks maybe that doesn't fit the label psychopathic for instance so I'm interested in just this sort of morality that comes just comes from a completely different time mm-hmm. and has nothing to do with how we see right or wrong. Yeah. So we cannot fit it within our current frame so we can do mm-hmm. that but it doesn't really make any sense. So I'm thinking of I'm thinking of if you read Homer or something and it's just it's not about right or wrong it's about pride and it's about honor and and renown. Mm-hmm. And in a way from a from a modern perspective you look at characters like Achilles who it's just about pride. You could be like, that's entire. That's an entirely narcissistic culture, right? That's mm-hmm. just about sort of renown and stuff like that. There's an in- interest in me in sort of letting go of that frame and being like, well, I mean, it's a bit that sort of like, it's just a wild animal kind of thing, but it's more like, oh, it's a God. Like it's this God and they, the way that they see the world isn't cold hearted or not, because it doesn't really, f- you know, it doesn't really fit their f- the frame. And that's what I'm interested in. I'm sort of, I guess I'm sort of interested in what's the space beyond the human in this character, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I definitely feel what you're saying. I think that then it's almost like cosmic timescales of suffering and things like that. I think I can really relate to having that perspective and just seeing the way in which the universe moves it's kind of like the rhythms of the universe and the difficulties that have gone through. You know, if you look at the whole of human history, it's just been an absolute clusterfuck, hasn't it? Mm. And it's, but that's what's got us here. And so it's sort of yeah. like, you can't pick something out and say, actually, that shouldn't have happened. There's a much more sort of like open way of holding it of like, there's good and there's bad. And this is now we we are where we are. Yeah. I can really relate to that. I am genuinely interested in, and non-human moralities, right? Yeah. And how that relates. Like, I think that is that is interesting as well. Like, these ty- types of figures that are just, they're just, their morals are just very different from humans. I think it's fascinating sort of possibility space. One last question. What does a good version of a kind of other than human morality look like? Or is it more just like a curiosity about that? 
Yeah, what does a good version of that look like? Well, uh, that's a good question. I think open-hearted wildness would be, you know, uncommon uh, because it's just that mo most humans aren't wild like mm -hmm. that. So a good version of that. I think it might be, for instance, like it's almost like a, like let's say acts of kindness or acts that have a positive influence, but that are really random or something. So like a being that does stuff that no one understands, but somehow it has good intentions behind it or the effects are good or something like mm -hmm. that, right? Sort of like the sun. Mm -hmm. The sun is like a non-human benevolence, you know? Right. It right. reminds me of like when they, I'm not sure what the status is now, but when they taught AIs to play chess, uh -huh. the, the chess, it was hard for humans to beat them because they play in really strange ways where they do a move that would seem really dumb, but then like 50 moves later or something, it would suddenly all make sense. That's right. It's kind of like having that level of intelligence. And, and I think that's, I feel that energy in the universe often. Yes. like it doing it having done some things through me as well where it's like just like certain things that like don't make sense and then two years later or something it will like comes out and then it's exactly exactly and it I has think, a purpose or a meaning and i think uh you know non-human morality can look like you know it's like like fairies like fairies in, in irish lore i think are wild and crazy uh, but they are care a lot about contracts so it's mm. about honesty but it's the letter of the contract like this kind of weird moral sort of like things to just worrying about other things than sort of normal human ethics is, is quite interesting to yeah me. Uh, interesting yeah it's nice yeah i think this is a, an amazing movie it's mm -hmm. i i could see how this is sort of almost too real mm. it's very real and i wish there would there would be more horror movies that are that really take the horror genre to discuss really they they do exist but that to discuss really real stuff yeah it's awesome yeah it's really cool and it feels like in terms of our viewing of it it feels like the attraction and the repulsion signals that something something's hitting something real in us yes and then by talking about it it's like pulling deeper into truth and meaning and like the richness of the thing it's kind of it's fascinating to look under these parts of yourself and see like oh what's the what's in there definitely yeah thanks for listening hope you enjoyed and see you again soon at the nouveau shamanic cinema